0: The following is a presentation of the Premier Dance Network. Hi everyone, Kimberly Falker here, the founder and CEO of the Premier Dance Network, the only podcast network dedicated solely to the world of dance. And welcome to Pod Chat with your host, Barry Karelis. Hello, and welcome back. Thanks for coming to chat. I am your host, Barry Karelis, and you are listening to Pa the Chat Talking Dance on the Premier Dance Network. In this bi-weekly podcast, I candidly offer educational conversations and thoughtful analysis on all things dance. With my vast background as a director, choreographer, instructor, and dancer, I'm happy to share my 18 plus years of experience with you, whether you're a professional dancer or just listening in for an insider's look into our fascinating art form. So put your earbuds in, grab a cup of coffee, sit back, and let's talk dance. Hello, everybody. Shalom. <laughs> Hola. Hola. Uh, Pick a language. (laughs) Um, I hope that you're all doing well. Um, If you haven't noticed, uh, this podcast is releasing on Saturday. Um, And this is kind of becoming a regular thing. So I I spoke with our uh, producer and we have decided uh, to shift our podcast releases to Saturdays because it just seems to work better for the world. It seems to work better for us. So um, please note in your calendars if you are eagerly awaiting each episode um, to release that we will be shifting from our uh, originally planned every Friday uh, or sorry, every other Friday to doing it every other Saturday. So um, that will be a change for us uh, as we prepare to enter. I think coming up in a month is going to be the five-year anniversary of Pod Chat Talking Dance. That is just crazy to me. I mean, if I look at my, my page on iTunes, we have done... This will be our 163rd episode um, in five years. So that's just crazy to think that that's how long I have been doing this. But how exciting. I, I need to figure out what I want to do for like a big like anniversary thing. Um, but yeah, so that is that. What is going on in the world? Um, I feel like not too much compared to usual, which is weird to say. Um, the I get my second vaccine next Thursday. Thursday, getting the Pfizer, you know, at City Field here in Queens. I'm very excited to get it. Not excited for potential side effects, but I mean, I didn't feel that great when I had my last one. So I'm not really planning on feeling that great. I actually have set aside time that day so that I don't really have to worry about like feeling ill and trying to teach a dance class, um, which I have done way too often in my life. But um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to that and um, hoping that that will allow me to be able to start to travel around more um, for work because I, I've been talking a lot lately and saying how weird it's been that I've been like in New York City for a year. I left for like two days back in uh September to go visit my family. Oh and I went for like 5 days to Woodstock, so like right like 2 hours north of New York. And then my husband and I went to uh the Boston Salem Plymouth area for like 5 days back in November. Um and then I taught in Connecticut once and my husband and I took a car trip like right across the river to New Jersey because he had to pick up something for work last Friday. That is all when it comes to me leaving new york city which i think is crazy considering that like since 2011 i've i was like a nomad for many periods of time and then i've just yeah travel has been a part of my life so i'm hoping that i can start to travel for recreation for judging and master classes and summer intensives and all that uh now that i'll be getting the vaccine so um Yeah, that's what's going on with that. Um, What else? Uh, My Friday virtual ballet classes, beginner ballet classes, will continue throughout the rest of March. So if you're interested in joining for that, you can shoot me a DM on Instagram or uh, on Facebook. Uh, That will be with the exception next Friday. I'm not teaching. because I'm getting the vaccine. So that class will change to Tuesday, March 23rd. Um, Other than that, I'm currently preparing a lecture demonstration with Movement Headquarters. Um, It's nice to be back in the studio working on a pas de again. So I've been working only on solos for the past year. Um, This is the second pas de Our dancers are, they're testing themselves regularly. We're all wearing masks. We're doing our best to uh, just do this as safely as possible. Um, And You know, it's... It's just, it's very interesting, but we're, we're, uh, starting to, my goal right now is to really start to rebuild the dancer's strength back so that when we can finally reopen, um, that we won't have to worry about them getting injured, uh, if we're like in an intense rehearsal process. So we've been really lucky to have a school theater dance center in Flanders, New Jersey, uh, subsidize this lecture demonstration, um, that we'll be putting on for their school at the end of the month in lieu of their competition season. So hopefully beyond the, us getting to share this, uh, lecture demo with them, um, we can share it with other schools around the tri-state region, but it's, uh, pretty much just showing how classical ballet influences contemporary dance because a lot of students from competition schools, um, often they, they take ballet because they're kind of forced to by their teachers, but they're really more passionate about like contemporary, uh, jazz, lyrical, hip hop, um, street styles, all that stuff. So, um, I'm hoping that we can continue to show, uh, these types of dancers that ballet influences every, everything that they do in, um, those European, those styles of dance that came from European styles of dance. So, um, yeah, I'm excited about that. Um, is there anything else going on? I feel like there are certain things going on that I just can't talk about right now, but, um, I will get to them one day, you should not, you shan't worry. Um, but yeah, so that's that's my update, nice and short this week, uh, or to me, I think it's short, but to you, it's probably been about six minutes. Um, <laughs> so yeah, that's that. Um, what did I want to talk about this week? Oh, so I feel like... <laughs> I don't know. It's been a year now. I'm recording this. I'm actually recording this on Friday, March 12th. So, um, tomorrow when this releases on March 13th, it'll officially be like one year from the day that I taught my last open classes in New York city. And, um, the beginning of the chaos that struck our community, um, obviously our country, but that truly struck our community. Um, it's been really interesting. I've actually been, uh, I've been having flashbacks because, you know, like as humans, we tend to work in like year anniversaries, like you have your birthdays or like, this is like the 20th anniversary of September 11th coming up, um, things like that. Uh, so I think it's natural to do that, but then also at the same time, like having these like horrible flashbacks, like different news is coming out. That's really positive. So like the numbers are declining um but then they say the numbers aren't declining fast enough or they're stagnating um or uh it, the stimulus was passed um That's mostly generally good, but it was not bipartisan. That's not good. Um, So there's all these things. But one thing that was recently announced here in New York is that uh, on April 2nd, performances can restart in our city. Essentially, they're saying that um, if you don't have testing and it's a smaller venue, you can have a maximum capacity of 100 uh, audience members. And if you provide testing, you can have up to like 150. Um, Obviously, that's not something that's really going to work for a show like on Broadway where they their casts, like, have tons of dancers and there's, like, orchestra and stagehands and costume. Like, there's too many working parts that need to be paid to be able to actually, like, cover that at 100 to 150 audience members. Um, Now, for companies like mine, Movement Headquarters, that actually means something because uh, that's something that we can probably do. Uh, But, yeah, so at the same time, like... On April 1st, now they're saying that New York State's going to lift the like travel advisory where you have to quarantine um, if you come back to New York after traveling domestically. So, But then de Blasio, our mayor, uh, came on the news today and said, they shouldn't be doing this. And then Fauci is like, you can't travel. And the CDC doesn't give any guidance for vaccine people. So it's really quite confusing Um exactly what we should be doing. So I thought today that I would offer my thoughts on the reopening of the performing arts in our country. Obviously, this will be specific to New York, which I know has been a different experience than many other regions in our country. Um, We've been watching other companies return to the studios and creating pods and doing digital seasons, where um, here, our major companies, New York City Ballet and uh, American Ballet Theater, uh, Alvin Ailey, Mark Morris, Dance Group, they, they haven't really gone back into the studios as a company or created these pods. I have heard that they are starting to go back to take class, but um, it's been very different than what I've been seeing elsewhere. So obviously this is going to be specific to New York City, but um, I am sure it will ring true to many regions uh, in our country. Uh, one thing I can say, uh, I'm not ready to talk about that yet, so let's let's just get this gun. I'm going to get back to that at the end. Um so let's let's start with this. I'm excited by the possibility of uh, the performing arts reopening. I, I don't think anybody really that is involved in the performing arts isn't excited. But I think like. Every situation that we've been in, there's like a little bit of skepticism and whether it's going to work, um, or if it's going to be like pulled out from under our feet or if we're going to do it for a while and then it's going to be, uh, retracted, like who knows? I think that that's kind of how it's been with everything. Like I know when they, um, reopened the subway here in New York, uh, on July, well, they didn't reopen, but they said it's safe to go on the subway in July, um, or it was in June and I went in July, whatever it was. Nobody was riding the subway, but there was so much fear about going on the subway, but then it wasn't really that big of a deal. Um, but then like restaurants here in New York opened to indoor dining for like two months and that's all that we've had. And then it closed and then it just reopened on uh, the Valentine's Day weekend. So yeah, I'm excited by the possibility of participating in the performing arts as they are supposed to be enjoyed, not so much in a digital capacity, but more in a live capacity. Um... Obviously, that means going to see performance, like participating in the performance. That means going to see performances, but also means uh, putting on performances. But to start, I- I've really missed sitting in an audience. Uh, that like sitting and hearing like people chitty chatting, looking through the program, waiting for the lights in the audience to dim so that you know that the show's about to start, and then uh, seeing the curtain rise and being swept away into a world of light, creativity, and thought provocation through movement. Um, I really do miss that. I, One of my flashbacks, which was actually occurred yesterday um, because it was the anniversary of the, of the last show that I saw, um, was seeing the Scottish Ballet perform at the Joyce last year. Um, it was a Wednesday. And honestly, I don't remember anything about that performance except for the fact that I regretted going because there was an elderly man sitting behind me coughing the whole time. Um, and I couldn't concentrate. I don't, I don't remember anything about the show. I like the only thing I remember is that I didn't enjoy it. I didn't like the rep, but I remember no dancer. I remember no step. I don't remember what the repertory was. I just remember that a man was coughing behind me the entire time and that I questioned leaving after the first five minutes, but then I told myself not to be afraid. And then I ran into a childhood friend that I trained with. Um, in the lobby and she and her friend were the only two people in the theater that I saw wearing masks. And she said she was so embarrassed to be wearing it and she actually took it off. And I was like, no, put it back on. I wish I had a mask. Um, So yeah, I don't really have a good like final memory. And then like, as soon as I stepped out of the theater and turned my phone on, I saw that they had banned European travel and the NBA was suspended. And the first thing I did was go home, uh, sit in front of my husband and say, we wake up in the morning and we go food shopping. Like, that's all I I remember. So I'm ready for a new memory and I'm ready to remember the magic of, uh, live theater and live dance and live performance again. Um, it just enriches your life in a way that is like, it, it's not possible through a digital format. Um, and I remember being enchanted by it as uh, a teen. Cause I, my family didn't have a lot of money. So we, we didn't really see too many performances. I think the most I saw as a kid was there's a small theater in the suburbs of Philadelphia called the people's light and theater, the people's light theater, people's light and theater. I'm pretty sure it's that. Um, aside from those, like my first true professional ballet performance was Houston Ballet when I was 17, um, going to the summer program. So I was kind of a late bloomer, but ever since I've been enthralled and enchanted. And I think that when I finally get to go and see a performance live in a theater, um, without that fear of like, am I doing the right thing? I think that's going to be a magical moment and I can't wait for it. Um, So yeah, participating in the performing arts as uh, an audience member, I'm really looking forward to. But on the flip side of the coin, I'm also really looking forward to getting back into uh, my job as a member of the performing arts. I am excited to get back into preparing my own work, especially without restrictions. Like I have been working this past year. It's actually kind of crazy how much I've been creating this year um and how much people have supported my work but it's not like it just isn't like it has been the past practically everything I've done has been a solo um even creating for our love letter outdoor performance installation that we did last year like the dancers couldn't touch so it was uh there was unison there was improvisation There were solo moments, um, the way that we put it together with like no, very little notice and very little pay and with the dancers, like coming into the city, uh, some of them like a few weeks after we started, I couldn't really prepare something in a really strategic way. So, um, the, some parts of the choreography was not as complex as stuff that I would typically put out, um. And I'm not saying that as a complaint, like I'm really grateful that we did what we did. And um, I'm, I'm hoping we can expand upon what we did last year with those outdoor performances that we're planning. We are planning on doing them again um, in July or August. But um, yeah, I just feel like I'm I'm ready to work in a capacity of like not feeling pigeonholed by like people can't touch Um People, like we have very limited rehearsal time because there's very few facilities open and they're all expensive for us to rehearse in. So I have to make simpler choreography Um, or we can't do this live. So I'm going to document it and save it for the future or put it on Patreon um, or anything like that. Uh, Was was that a a plug? (laughs) Patreon? Maybe you should follow our Patreon, www.patreon.com forward slash movement headquarters, HQ, movement HQ. All right. (laughs) I'm just kidding, but not go follow our Patreon. But yeah, so, um, I, am ready to like put our work where it belongs on a stage. Um, and Yeah. Like I, I just feel like I've been preparing and I've been preparing and I'm preparing and it's not going anywhere. And then I put it online and it's not the same as like seeing an audience and like having an audience give you feedback. Um, there's, there's honestly very little excitement in the release of a digital film. Um, because especially i okay maybe if you have like a more established presence as a choreographer or company but like i'm just starting to make a name for myself as a choreographer our company launched a month before the world shut down um So for us, it's like I put out a digital film and I was really grateful. Our roses are red, but, um, film that we put out for Valentine's day, we had over 400 views. Um, and there was actually interest from dance media to potentially share it, which didn't end up panning out. But, um, I got very little feedback from that. Uh, Several people donated, which I was super grateful for, and then emailed me and told me how much they appreciated it. And that was nice. But there's just nothing like putting on a show, actually getting to like look at people's faces or like hearing their responses and then like going on intermission and people talking to you, um, hearing people clap and uh, shout after the piece is done and then going out to have drinks and it's missing. And I, I miss it. And, I I can't, I can't wait for that part of the performing arts. Not just the in theater part, but the what happens like in the lobby and what happens after the show in the dressing rooms and uh, at a restaurant or a bar. Um I love being in a studio creating. I love going into a theater and preparing the lighting, um and meeting different artists that we're collaborating with. I love greeting an audience and sitting back in anticipation. Um I'm just very ready to go back to doing what I know and I think that I'm kind of, uh, I'm afraid to like dip my toes in it because if I do and they take it away again, I, I don't know how I'm going to handle that. I mean, I'll, I'll be fine, but, uh, I feel like I've done a lot of, uh, comforting in the past year and I don't know if I would be able to comfort. I think I would need comfort. (laughs) I need comfort today. Um, that's another conversation, but, um, I guess that's a good segue to, to just briefly mention, um, I started counseling again, uh, this morning, uh, to talk about just my experiences with COVID and the performing arts shutting down. And if anybody is finding themselves in a place where they, uh, are struggling, I recommend it. I am actually going through BetterHelp, which is, uh, betterhelp.com. And you can do everything virtually, and I'm really looking forward to moving forward with that. So, throwing that in there. I'm a little scattered today, if you can't tell, but coming up with these anniversaries, uh, you know, we do what we do. And I'm glad that I can still create content for you guys. Okay, back on track. So, my thoughts on the performing arts reopening, especially here in New York City. Um So yeah, I'm afraid to move forward too quickly. And I think that everybody feels that way with everything. It was like I said, when I went onto the subway here in New York, uh, when they first said it was safe to go on the subway, like, I was shaking and I wore a glove to like touch the screen. I sanitized my hands. Then I like got on the subway and there was one other person in the car with me and I realized how ridiculous I was being. Um, Same thing with like, interacting with people like at first I would only interact with my dancers outside in a park. Um, Now we work together one-on-one in studios with masks and uh, we, so we did that for a while. Now I'm starting to work like Um, one-on-two. First it was with uh, one of our company artists, Weston Kruko, who uh, his partner is also a dancer. So we brought him on as a guest artist. So they were like a safe pod um, and then now I'm working with two dancers that are like testing and that, uh, are willing to take the risk. So, um, I still haven't eaten inside a restaurant <laughs> I did. Okay. I did once there was nobody in it in Woodstock. Um, it was a massive, massive restaurant with nobody there. Um, that was back this summer, but I've, I haven't eaten in a restaurant since. So it's, that's how we're doing with everything in our lives. Um, most of us, I believe. But yes, yeah, so I'm afraid to move forward too quickly. Uh, we watch the news and they make broad sweeping statements like the subway is safe. Domestic travel won't require quarantine. The performing arts can reopen on April 2nd. But at the same time, there's often little guidance on what this means or how to do it safely and effectively. Um, especially for groups like my company who aren't Broadway or New York City Ballet. Um, I don't know who to reach out to. They, I like I remember... Uh, Open class schools have been trying to open in New York City since October when gyms reopened. And um, Broadway Dance Center asked us if we'd be willing to go back on October 12th. But then they reached out to the health inspectors to approve them. And they said, we are not going to come to see your facility because you're considered a fitness class. Um, You're considered fitness classes and you can't reopen. So they didn't even know, but they at least knew who to reach out to. Um, but like small companies like mine that are pickup companies that put things on here and there at facilities all over the city. Um, we don't know who to reach out to. Um, how do you, how do you move forward with this? Okay. So on April 2nd, am I going to rent a space and convince a hundred people? <laughs> There's a siren. I love those. Um, <laughs> podcasting from your home. Um, but yeah, so, uh, yeah on april 2nd i'm not gonna like invite a hundred people to see a show also like (laughs) can i court can i rehearse everybody well facilities aren't even really open i just actually answered somebody on facebook they were like where can i rehearse um and there's so many that uh people that that are closed but then there are a handful that are open that people knew before they're booked up and then there's a small handful now that like we're trying to figure out like what are places that nobody knows about? So it's becoming like a struggle to even find rehearsal space. So they're saying, okay, on April second, the performing arts can reopen. But what does that mean? It pretty much means like, we're letting you know that you can think about it, but uh, probably don't really consider doing anything f- in the near future. So um, yeah, that's where that is. But um where where was i yeah so let's i'm going to go back and talk a little bit about the open class thing so um what ended up happening with the open class schools was uh they they tried to reopen they were told no um and but then a couple months later a few of them started doing these like under the radar hybrid classes where maybe like they used to do 20 to like 80 classes a day, but like three of their classes went hybrid. Um, but they don't like market them Be, they're staying under the radar because they didn't want to get caught. And I haven't talked about this, uh, because it didn't feel appropriate, but now we're getting into a place where they're starting to market it publicly. So I don't feel bad saying it. I don't want to throw anybody under the bus. I don't want to like cancel anybody. I didn't want to like cause any waves. Um, but so that was happening. And, um, they're, they're staying under the radar, but the larger organizations haven't reopened because they're very public facing and they're afraid of the intense scrutiny that has become this current era that we live in. Um, so with performances, I feel like the same thing is going to happen with performances where, um, yeah, like this summer, we just like practically broke the law by having these performances when you weren't supposed to be having gatherings of people, but we did it in parks. We, for the most part, were fine doing it. Um, and now they're saying that we can do it in like a legal capacity. Um, but I, I feel like it's gonna be the same thing. There's gonna be like little whispers of performances, maybe like teeny, teeny, tiny performances. Um, there's not a ton of funding going around right now. Um, and then slowly over time, maybe a couple months after it's allowed to happen, it'll become something more established. Um, same with like open classes. I don't think that like Broadway Dance Center is going to go back to its full class like menu. I think that they're going to bring a few back, see if people actually show up because we know people are still traumatized and a lot of people don't feel comfortable gathering inside after like a year of being told it's not safe to gather inside. Um, not everybody's vaccinated. This hasn't been eradicated. Um, so yeah, it's going to take a while for things to shift and it'll be curious. I'll be curious to see once things open up, what organizations go, wow, we held on for an entire year with nothing. And then we come back and there's no way we can sustain this. And they close. Um, it's definitely going to happen. Uh, Aspen Santa Fe Ballet just announced that they're folding the performing, uh, arm of their company and focusing on their schools. Um, so that's definitely going to happen, but, uh, I'm just really curious where, where things are going to go with this. Um, also, like, what about the public watching performances? Uh, are they are they going to want to come and see performances? Um, once I'm vaccinated, honestly, I will feel okay going into a theater. But there's always, like, that idea in the back of your mind. Every time we get good news, we get bad news. Okay, vaccines are really effective. Oh, wait, but there are these variants. We don't know if they're effective. So I'm like, okay, if I go into a theater, I'm protected against the initial strain that was here in New York a a year ago. But if they're saying this British variant is going to overtake the US by the end of March, um, are we back at square one? Or am I mostly protected? Or will I get sick, but I won't get severe COVID? Who knows? Um, So it'll also be up to the audiences to see if these things are... Uh, sustainable. So it's hard to move forward, especially after the trauma of the past year. And yeah, like grocery stores have stayed open, and like businesses that could work that like do like online products and marketing and this and that. They've stayed alive, so for them it might not feel weird to trans- transition back into their work. But like, we were told to stop, and we were we were not given the resources to do anything. We were not given the guidance to do anything, and it's it's just really hard to move forward, feeling hopeful. In my opinion, um, after everything that we've experienced, and not receiving the support that a lot of other areas of uh, other career fields have experienced. Um, and I, I, I say that knowing that the performing arts were not as important as public health. Um, the performing arts were not as important as like public, like essential workers that could keep food, like grocery stores going and health clinics open and things like that. But, um, we are important and we, we do offer so much more to society than we get credit for. Um, so I hope that over the next few months that we get more guidance, we get more support to move forward. Um, and that way we, we're able to move forward and know that if we do push ourselves to, to create work and to put on performances and bring culture and art back into our cities that if something happens, that it's not going to mean the end of us. I think that actually might be what I'm trying to get to and why I'm talking around in circles. It, it, what it's coming down to is performing arts, or arts organizations are hurting so much that we're afraid that if we move forward and put ourselves out there too soon, that that will actually be the nail in the coffin because we don't really have any, 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 any excessive funding at all Um, it's greatly reduced. And if we put, if we go out there too soon and it doesn't work, um, and we don't actually make any income, it could be that we use whatever that, uh, cushion that we had that was left and then that will be gone. And then you're screwed and then you go under. Um, so yeah, that's that. Now on that conversation, on the flip side of that, so we had a flip side of flip side, um, I said this before, it is sad to see arts organizations fail, but what it does is it also opens up uh, critical space that wouldn't have been available to other organizations as well. Um, I do feel that Movement Headquarters is in a good place where we, even if we ran out of funding, we could just pause for six months, do another uh, series of uh, fundraising and audience engagement, and then we could restart. But there are other organizations that won't be able to do that. But um, it's been really hard to break into the New York dance scene. And I am kind of excited at the possibility that some space has opened up and that might actually allow us to move forward a little bit faster um, so yeah that's that is that um, other thoughts on the reopening of performing arts I honestly am so desperate to work on in groups again um, when it comes to choreography I have choreographed so many solos I um, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm so grateful that I've had these opportunities. Um, and now I'm working on my second potted de uh, It's two people, a duet if you don't know what I'm talking about, if you're new to potted chat or the dance world. But um, now I'm working on potted de deux, but I can't wait to, like, work on complex, like, patterns and group work and choreography where you're just, like, mixing about. I just can't wait. Um, there's always, like a period of thought and preparation involved in creating a new work. Um, and I, I'm, I'm excited to get into that, but, uh, I, I haven't even allowed, like, I haven't even allowed myself to have those like periods of thought and preparation. Um, like I have ideas and I am creating, but, Sometimes I feel like lately I've been doing more of it on the fly because I I don't want to deal with like the disappointment if it doesn't happen. So I'll be like, okay, in two weeks I'm working on this and I'll start thinking about it now. It's never like, they say for a dance company, you should have like a two to three year plan. Uh, I'm currently working on like, a I guess a nine month plan. Not too bad, not shabby Barry. Um, but yeah, it's it's been very hard to prepare and think about the future, which is... Interesting because I've always been that type of person that thinks ahead. And for the first time in my life, I'm existing in the present. Um, my One of my mentors and uh, childhood dance teachers, she also she, she would always uh, be like, Barry, can we just think about what's going to happen through the end of the week? Because I would be like two months ahead of her, six months ahead of her. So um, I guess it is good to live in the present. But when it comes to preparing for like a season, you need to be preparing like two to three years in advance. So, um, I can't wait to work in a group again and I can't wait to start preparing for that, but I'm not there yet. Um, but I, April 2nd, will hit, we'll see what happens. And maybe that will give me the, those feelings of, uh, possibility and then I'll start doing that. What else? Um, I am really concerned about the ability of already underfunded organizations to, uh, move forward. Um, like I constantly come back to what about the small guys I've looked at applying for a handful of grants and government support. Um, cause they're, they're doing this thing. It's like the shutter in New York that it's called the shuttered venues grant or shutters shutter venues. I think there's an O their organizations and organizations grant. Um, and I don't qualify that for that because they want you to have, uh, a uh, tax record that goes back to 2019 that can prove that you like lost money um, from the previous year. But we we launched in February 2020, so I don't have the foundation to uh, apply for that grant. Um, I've also seen others where uh, you have to have applied for the grant before and gotten it, um, and. I just started a month before everything went. So what am I going to do? So now my company has been around for, I mean, we've been working for a year and a half cause we started with our pre-launch, but like officially we've been around for a year now. Um, but we had, we don't have enough of a record to apply for these grants. Um, the there's this open culture program that they're setting up in the city. Um, So that you can pay $20 for a permit to perform outside throughout the summer, but it's super unclear and confusing. And from what I read, it looks like if I hadn't been a part of a program, the program that is creating this open culture program that I might not actually have access to it. So maybe for our love letter shows, it would be better to just do it again on the fly and run the risk of like being kicked out of our space or arrested for not having a permit. That's not going to happen. But, um, it's very unclear and being a small company, I don't have the support to figure that out. I pretty much have to do the research on my own or ask my, my network of friends that has become smaller because I don't see anybody anymore. And I've lost touch with people or, um, those people have indefinitely left the city. Uh, there's a program at Lincoln center that's going to offer outdoor, uh, performances this summer. Um, And beyond that, Governor Cuomo has said that they're doing a concert and performance series to bring arts and culture back into the city. But most of these opportunities are to famous people and organizations like star singers on Broadway and uh, New York City Ballet and Alvin Ailey and Broadway cast. But what about the, the small guys? New York used to be drowning in pickup companies One thing that made this place so exciting, you could literally see a show every single day of the week, 365 days a year. Maybe not 365, but probably if you wanted to see like a drag show or if you wanted to see like an underground this or that on like a holiday. But um, I'm just concerned about the little guys being overlooked for funding and opportunities because funders, grantors, and governments... Um, and the government, they're so focused on bringing back only the organizations and people they know, and they only want to give money to organizations that have a track record that they can trust, but there, there needs to be more. And for me with reopening, I, I, when I think about reopening, I go, okay, that's great, but nothing is the same. And where everybody is truly going to become an experimental organization and experiment experiment when you think experiment, you think risk, you might have a positive outcome. You might have a negative outcome. It could be a greatly positive outcome. It could be a greatly negative outcome. Um, every organization is going to be experimental. And I really wish that uh, the government and grantors and funders and all these programs that are being offered would do some outreach to make sure that it's not just like a company with a budget of like $250,000 or more and um, is taken care of because I've I've done my research. I'm I'm involved in the New York City dance scene, and I know for a fact that a large large percentage of New York based dance companies operate on a budget of one hundred thousand dollars or less. Um, currently, I believe uh, I need would need to check our tax records. I think that Movement Headquarters' our budget is something like sixty to seventy thousand dollars now, which I think is incredible to say that after a year of uh, functioning, but like, how do we get help? Um, and how do we contribute to the art scene when, uh, it seems like a lot of the bring culture back is bringing recognizable culture back. Um, and often if you think about it, also the culture that maybe people aren't going to be able to afford with all of the financial losses we've had this year people would pay $200 to sit in the orchestra of New York city ballet before. Can they do that? Our show back in, in February, 2020, um, we charged $35 a ticket for a two, like a two hour show, um, which I wish we could have reduced. Um, but like that's something affordable that people could definitely probably go to. And if we were subsidized, we could even offer it for, to people who lost money for less. So, that's really been on my mind a lot lately. What about the small guys? Um, got a, a little bit more to say. Uh, let's talk about my whisper theory. Uh, <laughs> I, I've I have a whisper theory. Um, I've been saying since the beginning of the pandemic that I believe that the the New York uh, artists that stayed and uh, essentially risked their lives to stay here um as citizens of the city and to continue to contribute to our art scene when there there is no we have like there is no art scene right now. There are artists that are creating art, but there's no scene. Um, a lot of it's happening online. Um, but yeah, so I truly believe that those of us artists who have dedicated ourselves, um whether through choice or by circumstance, um, but dedicated ourselves to New York City, I truly believe that we will be greatly rewarded um, by being here when things start to reopen. I know that uh, people feel like Broadway is closed and cities as uh, companies are shut down. Um, but the opportunities will, it's not like the opportunities happen, but there there's a process that happens before the opportunities where they have to find the people and organizations for the opportunities. Um, and, w- I've been saying since the beginning of the pandemic that those people that, and, and organizations that stick around will be greatly rewarded because we're here. And then what's going to happen is those people, like say for instance, that uh, some auditions start back up. Those that are here are going to be the ones that are looked at and those are the ones that are going to get the jobs. And what they're going to do is they're going to whisper to their friends who left the city and they're going to say, hey, these audition- the shows aren't back and we haven't reopened yet, but the- these auditions are starting to come back. Um, and then some of them will go, okay, well, I still, I still don't want to go there. I don't trust it. There's no way for me to make a living. Um, but then there's going to be a small group of those friends that come back and then they start to do it and they'll get, uh, opportunities as, as well. Maybe that they wouldn't have been offered before. Like maybe they audition for, uh, a show that they would have been overlooked for, but there are fewer people here to choose from. Um, Then I think very quickly after that second cohort comes back, because the first cohort's already back. If you don't know, you don't know. The second cohort is already there. They're in the process of coming back or the first cohort. So the dancers that stayed here are here. The first cohort is coming back. I think that they're going to start getting opportunities and then the floodgates are going to open and then it's going to be like worse than it was before because there are going to be fewer opportunities. So it's like, the people that stayed here are going to get the, the few opportunities be, because there are fewer dancers. The next ones are going to come. there gonna be more dancers um, and they'll get those opportunities as well. But then when everybody comes back because of the great losses we've experienced this year in the performing arts, um, they're all going to come back and it's going to be like trying to squeeze like 500 dancers into a funnel. It's, it's going to be very difficult to, to, to get work. And, um, but yeah, the whispers are already starting, and I, I just, I, the time is coming, and I think with the performing arts scene that they're reopening, it's, uh, it's near. So if you're thinking about coming back to New York, um, if you have the capacity to, I do think that you should consider coming back now, um, because I think that it's going to boom really fast, but there's not going to be as many opportunities. Um, so that is that. I think that that covers. A majority of my thoughts. That's a lot of thoughts, people. I got a lot of, I think a lot, but it covers most of my thoughts. In the end, I i, I just want to say it's about time um, that the performing arts reopen, but also I don't know if it is time. Every inch of reopening we've gone through since July of 2020 has been like dipping my toes in several bodies of water across different climates, which I have done. Um, in Alaska, I dared not go near the water. It was too cold. I knew it. In Seattle, I went up to my knees and quickly ran out because my legs started to go numb. Um, in New Jersey, I waded out into the water to my waist before I, I decided that it didn't look clean enough to really stay in there too long. And when I was in Thailand, it was super warm and relaxing and inviting, and I, I could have floated all day in the clear blue waters. Um, I kind of feel the same way about the performing arts right now. Uh, I feel like the water looks cold and dirty <laughs> but at the same time, like maybe I'll dip my toes and it'll be warm and then I'll go further out and I'll realize that it's clear and it's clean and that I just really want to like be welcomed by it. So um, that was a really weird analogy, but that's that's kind of how I feel. Um, and I guess what I was going to say at the beginning, which I decided to wait until the end, is that um, with New York City announcing that they're going to reopen performances on April 2nd, I, it's exciting, but like we're not, Movement Headquarters is not going to be the first company to... To uh, go back into performing, I just I, I can't risk it. I can't risk my my dancers' health and my health. I can't risk the public's health. Um, so we're gonna sit back and watch for a few months. But I like I can't even tell you that I'm excited to announce this because I just don't believe it's gonna happen. But I I booked um on the weekend of the twenty sixth of June at Ballet Arts, which is uh wonderful. Studio. Uh, it's a school in uh, City Center, which is where Balanchine essentially started New York City Ballet. That's where they had their. It was the home of um, New York City Ballet before they went to Lincoln Center. Um, they have beautiful professional studios, and I have officially booked um, the studio to have three like one hour performances around the summer sol- solstice. Um, so like, I want to tell you I'm excited, but like, I just don't believe it's going to happen. And I, I, I had this idea last year and we didn't do it because, uh, obviously the restrictions, but, um, it actually is very COVID friendly. What we want to do. I'll share more about it in the future, but, um, it's like, it's hard to not be excited. Cause like, I want to be excited, but I'm not because I just don't believe it's going to happen. So keep your fingers crossed for us. I really hope that we, uh, we can follow through with this and that we can not be, I don't want to be the first arts organization to bring dance back to New York city, but I am excited about the prospect of being one of the first, um, as long as it's safe and responsible. Um, I can't wait to get back to like doing what I, I I'm supposed to do what I am meant to do, what I've like dedicated my life to. So, (sighs) Deep breath. Yeah. So that's where we are. Um, I, I'm cautiously excited about the reopening of the performing arts in New York city, but I am typically people would say they're cautiously optimistic. I am not, I am going to be pragma- pragmatic and practical. I'm going to keep an eye on the news when, when it, with what it comes to, like when it comes to health and, uh, like public health. And I will move forward from there. Um, and if that doesn't pan out, we will have love letter outdoors. Like we, I and mean, we're definitely doing that, but, um, we will have that to look forward to after that. So I'm really curious what your thoughts are on the reopening of the performing arts coming up. Um, I don't know what it's like in your state or your city or your country, depending on where you're listening. Um, I know that there are a handful of European companies that have been continuously performing since at least the uh, late summer, early fall of 2020. So I'm, I'm hoping that after the United States is awful, uh, awful uh, approach to this pandemic, that we can join those companies. And even if we have to like come back and and then like go back into restrictions for a little while and then come back and then finally move forward, um, it's time. We have to move forward and we have to do it safely. But we, we can't continue to lose the voices of artists in our generation because the longer we do this, the more artists are going to leave the field. And I, I, I don't... I don't think that, I know it, it's happening. It's happening today. It happened yesterday. It happen- it's gonna happen tomorrow. So yes, cautiously excited, but not cautiously optimistic. <laughs> That's me being typical pessimistic. Okay, on that note, I'm going to let you all go. Uh, I hope that you are being safe. I hope that you all have access to a vaccine soon. I hope that you get to see a show or be in a show or contribute to a show, anything like that. All right. I hope that you enjoyed this week's episode of Pa to Chat Talking Dance. If there are any topics you'd like to hear me talk about, please feel free to reach out to me via my website contact page at www.barrycorlis.com. Again, that's ww.b-a-r-r-y-k-e-r-o-l-l-i-s.com. You can also reach out on there if you'd like to book if you'd like to become a sponsor for our podcast or to book master classes in ballet or contemporary technique for choreography or speaking engagements. If you'd like to check out my company movement headquarters, you can visit www.movementhqballet.org. I hope you enjoyed listening in and talking dance with me. If you enjoyed this chat, please feel free to share, rate and review our podcast on iTunes. Every bit of extra visibility helps keep these podcasts running. And if this didn't fulfill your dance fix, check out my sister podcast on the Premiere Dance Network. New hosts from your favorite dance companies are being added monthly. If you wanna connect with me to see where I'm choreographing, teaching, and what I'm doing in my everyday life, you can follow me on Facebook, Instagram, where my name is B Carolus or on Twitter at Bariscos. If you'd like to check out my company, you can also go to Instagram at movement underscore headquarters. Also be sure to check out my blogs. I blogged for five years about traveling around the country as a freelance artist on Life of a Freelance Dancer. Uh, I also have dancing off stage and you can uh, check that out and see me talk about the post-performance careers of professional dancers. Uh, If you wanna check out my choreography, you can also go onto YouTube and visit my channel, Be Corollis, or my company's channel, Movement Headquarters, to see what we are doing. Thank you for listening in to Pot of Chats. I hope you return two weeks from this Saturday to talk dance with me. And remember to go out and support your local dance scene.